everyone. Uh, if y'all hear me grunt or grumble a couple times, don't think anything about it. I cracked a rib Friday at work, so I'm kind of sober. But that'd be all right. You know, Brother Leon has been saying the last several weeks, several times here lately, that he's praying about revival, and thus I'm sure that we are too. You know, anytime we hear our pastor say he's praying about something, if we're truly faithful, we're going to be praying about the same thing. And all week long, the thought has been coming to my mind. Uh, so I'm going to try to deliver a message to you tonight. I don't know what the necessary title is, but I want to pose two questions to you regarding revival. First off, why revival? And the answer to that was pretty obvious. But the second one is, what is the result of revival? And I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to make some statements that I'm not... When I say the church, I'm talking about the church world as a whole. But I'm going to be honest, I don't know that I've ever, after studying this and the scripts that we looked at, I don't know that I've ever been in part of a truly successful revival. And I think you'll see what that means when we get to the scripture. So we would, Brother Leon, if we would pray over the message before we get started. Our precious Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, just touch the service. Your servant tonight, anointing mighty God with the power of your spirit to speak that you hear us, that we would hear and know that it's from you, Lord. Just speak the need in this service tonight. We all have needs, Lord. And uh, touch Brother John, Lord, and help him with that, whatever's going on in his body. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, well, first off, you know, Sister Sue quite often sing that song, Lord, send revival, let's start in me. And I, every time she sings that song, I think about it. I think it's in 1 Timothy where Paul instructs the young uh, evangelist pastor Timothy to stir up the gift that's inside you. See, it's our responsibility. But the modern church is so in tune to waiting till the evangelist or our favorite preacher comes along and stirs us up. But we should be stirring the gift. But to stir the gift, you have to know what your gift is. And all too much in the church today... We're not doing it. I think Brother John alluded to this this morning. Your gifted is not necessarily what you want to do. And as he said this morning, it's not your natural talent. So I'm going to be honest, and, and, and I may have shared this before, when I preached my first couple messages, you know, the church I was in, there's a lot of the people there that knew me from my previous life. You know, from the clubs and, the, and going to rap, I was loud. And, and they, they, in fact, two or three people told me when they found out I was a preacher, I like, whoa, we're going to... Here's them shouting today. You know, it was strange to me. I, I get loud, but I, I would love. I'm going to be out. My, my heart's desire is to preach like Sister Karen and Brother Leon and Brother Jerry does. The passion and the, and, and the thrill to me. But that's not what the Lord wants. You know why? And I asked the Lord about it. I said, Lord, why can I do? Why can I not do that? Because I know the passion is inside me. He said, that's the way you are in the world. The world does not belong in my church. And that's going to be one of the things about revival we're going to see. We're going to start off tonight in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. If you would, if you, you get there, please stand for reading God's Word. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 1 through 5. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing, at his appearing and his kingdom, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. You may be seated. Thanks for standing. And I'm going to read on through first. But first off, 
And when I first, and the Lord first really put this on my heart, I thought, what's that after the revival? That's everything about revival. That should be one of the main purposes of the revival. Why do we need revival? I said, that's an easy one to answer. Brother John alluded to this, the world's a mess. But I'm sorry, church, I, I, I guess I need to apologize for this next statement, but I don't because it's the truth. The church is in a mess. Amen. Amen. The church is in a mess as a whole. Because of watered-down gospel, because of the politically correct stance that has been shoved down our throat. You know, when you call out wrong, most people say there's no such thing as constructive criticism. But if I'm never told I'm doing something wrong, guess what? John doesn't know he's doing something wrong. And you cannot tell someone they're doing something wrong without being a little bit critical. You can say it love all you want, but very few people like hearing they're wrong. But once again, if you're never told you're wrong, you won't know you're wrong. In fact, what's the purpose of the law, according to the word? But to show sin. Without the law, we would not sin it. And even today, if we don't study it, there's so many churches today that say the Old Testament is done away with it. The Old Covenant doesn't apply. And no, parts of it may not. But if we don't know the law, guess what? According to the word, we don't know what sin is. If we don't know what sin is, guess what? We think we're all right. And that's where the church is. So why revival? The church is in a mess. But what's it say right here? Once again, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to a young pastor that he has left in charge that thing and right. Verse 2. Preach the word. Be into in season and out of season. Otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, that have a calling on their life, we should be ready to drop the hat. We, well, I don't know if I have time to prepare. Be ready in season and out. Yet, I would much rather preach when I have time to prepare. I would like to say, because I know, I know that I'm not close enough to God to have that, the anointing I need without study. So guess what? I'm going to be honest with you tonight. John has to put a little John in Because I'm not walking as close to the Lord as I should. So yes, I know I need revival. But think, what is revival? Of course, in the church sin, it is a series of meetings. But if, if you look at the and let me see if I can pull My phone usually doesn't work in here. But I want to read this because this is interesting. That even the world knows what a church revival should be. But first, the very first, as a noun, revival means restoration to life. So to say you need revival, guess what? What you're saying, you might be a little dead. But in regard to church service, revival. An awakening in the church or community of interest in and or care of matters relating to personal religion. An awakening. Otherwise, something's not taking place. We've lost sight of something if we truly need revival. An evangelistic service or series of services for the purpose of affecting a religious awakening. Or otherwise... If the evangelist that comes in to hold revival is truly seeking the Lord, is truly spirit-filled, he's going to get in your business. He's going to point out some things that are wrong because the Lord wouldn't have sent him here if something wasn't wrong. But no, we don't want to hear something wrong. We want the evangelist to come in and get us all feeling good and jumping so we can jump and shout and have us a good old Holy Ghost time. But be honest with yourself. Answer this question to yourself. Because I'm looking at most of mature Christians. Think of the wonderful revivals you've been in. 
And then honestly ask yourself, how long that feeling last? And did it affect any real change? Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fable. Is he talking to the world here? Is verse 3 and 4 addressed to the world? Is it the world that's going to seek out teaching? No, the church is going to seek out. And you know what's sad? You can find a church. And you don't have to go to some big city. Right here in Jackson County, you can find a church that will line up with anything. Just, I, will, I think it's safe to say anything you want to, any way you want to believe, you can find a church that's preaching. That's right. I'm not going to name the name, but and, and I like this person. I consider this person privileged. She is openly homosexual and identifies herself as a man. I was shocked. And always faithful. She's faithful to the church. Wonderful. And I was, but you know, I know her lifestyle. And she makes no bones about it. And I was shocked when I heard a church service actually let her leave the service. I'm not saying they shouldn't be included. But to step out and lead a service when you're openly homosexual and you're a female addressing, identifying as a man. Something's wrong. Right. Something's wrong. And that wasn't in Los Angeles or New York City. That's in Jackson County, Arkansas. Like, so do we need revival? Yes. Yeah. We need revival. Verse 5. But watch thou in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of the evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Now that is being that is more specific right there. Most of us, as I said, I would love to operate in the of evangelism. But I'm not an evangelist. I don't claim to be. I know I'm not. I'm not even truly a preacher. I'm, my calling is teaching. And I conflict with myself because I really want to preach. I want to get excited and jump and shout. And that and teaching doesn't mix. Because when you teach the word, you have to expound and open the word up. But why do we need revival? Because this is the church. This is not taking place in the world. This is describing the church. The church is not ready. A friend of mine went to visit a church one time, and uh, the music, he said the music was great. The pastor got up and preaching. He spoke maybe three or four minutes. So oh, I'm sorry, folks. I'm going to have to cancel service. My computer just quit. His laptop quit so he could preach. So does the church need revival? Amen. Yes. Yes. But even in churches that doesn't use computer, I'm get back to what I said a while ago. We just read. We read in season and out. I don't know. I'm not pointing. Remember, if I point a finger, you have three points at me. Are you ready if the pastor calls you? Oh, it's even better. I'm looking at for sure one, two, three, four. Yeah. Four ministers right here. If uh, the pastor come up to sit Karen, he'd walk to the pulpit and all of a sudden he'd be like, oh, I can't do this. Karen, I need you to preach. Is Karen going to be ready? I'm not sure she will, but that's just an example. Will you? I've heard ministers in the church, oh, I can't, I don't have time. A pastor's wife. And so what does the pastor do? He looked at me and said, John, you preach, I can't, I'm sick. 
and the pastor's wife prayed, but she couldn't that morning because she wasn't ready. Did I do as good a job as I would have? Probably not, but I was ready. I, on my way to the pulpit, I said, Lord, give me something. Guess what the Lord did? He gave me something. Amen. But once again, another, even further of why we need, go to James. Go to the book of James, chapter 4. Now, I may be stretching it here a little bit. And I'm going to try to not be specific. Yes, it's safe to say the scripture I'm going to read really is, is addressing backsliders more than the church. But many of the things we're going to read, we have seen in the church. And once again, this is a small community, so I have to be careful what I say. But we've seen many of these things in Jackson County, Arkansas, in the church. James chapter 4, starting at verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Now, when it says, Adulterers and adulterers, men and women, that's not talking about with a married spouse. That's spiritual adultery. Yeah. If you reach to the world, if you think, if you put anything, and I've said this a lot here lately, and those of you that listen to the same program know where it's coming from, but if you put anything, fasting, prayer, scripture memorization, coming to church, anything before the finished work of Christ on the cross, you're committing spiritual adultery. Because what you're doing is saying what Christ did is not enough. I have to do this as well. Right. And, as, and as Brother John said this morning, why is legalism and, and fleshly worldly desires within the church more popular? Because look, look what I've done. Look, I fasted for 10 days. I remember I, was, I spent two hours of prayer every day. That's great. We all should. But if you have to tell it, you're not doing it for the right reason. Amen. And if you have to do that to get any kind of victory, if, you're, if anything you're doing is in an attempt to gain something from God, you're committing spiritual adultery. And not only that, you're turning that religious practice into an idol. If you think reading scripture with reading scripture is, is, is important, but if you think spending time in this word and just reading page after page takes the place of truly talking to God, something's wrong. Yeah. And, and as I believe it was said this morning, atheists read the Bible and quote scripture. So, if we have true spiritual revival, why revival? For one, let's get personal. As I said, I know I need a revival. I need my desire for God's word revived. I need my, my closeness with the Lord revived. But look around. Let's be honest. Do we need revival of Jesus as Lord Family Worship Center? Do we need to see the lost saved? That's the true result of a true revival. You know, if I was to ask y'all, what does a successful revival look like? Of course, I would get to think we have wonderful spirit-filled music. We, you know, we had people 
raising their hand, praising God. We had a lot of visitors. And at the altar call, the altar were full. Yes, those were all signs of the successful revival. But what about the next Sunday? You may have few, see a few of the visitors back. But what about the next Sunday? How many true conversions was there? So, have we really ever seen a true spiritual revival? You know, I used to love reading church history. And I read accounts of back in the early in the turn of the 20th century where evangelists would come to town in, in the bars and, and the brothels, because back in the early days there was a lot of them, they would close, and not during the revival, they would close and stay closed once the evangelists left town. Why? Because those people got saved. And think about this. I know we're living in a, in a multimedia age, but I, I, this question, every time I listen to Jimmy Swagger's program, but what happened to Great Crusade? What happened to Jimmy Swagger, to Billy Graham, to Oral Roberts? You don't hear about those anymore. Yes, I know we have churches that seat 10, 15, 20,000 people. But what about the citywide crusade? Why are those not taking place anymore? What about the revivals that just break out without the, the pastor having to schedule someone in that goes for weeks at a time? Do we hear about them anymore? No. So do we need revival? Yes. And once again, I'm going to jump ahead. I'm not going to say, I'm not pointing any fingers, but I'm going to do my best not to keep you long, guys. So this to me, turn to Acts chapter 19. This is the result, what I'm fixing to read to you, is the result of a spirit-filled, successful revival. I'm going to be in Acts 19, starting at verse 23. And to set the scene a little bit, you know, the Apostle Paul, he's in, he is, and I learned something today in studying for this. I always thought, you know, because Saul became Paul. Shows how much I know. I thought the Lord just changed his name like he did, maybe like he did Jacob from Jacob Israel. No, Paul is the Greek word for Saul. Oh, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything, but it, it surprised me because I learned something. So, Acts 19. Paul is preaching. He's going, he's, I didn't look into, it would be wonderful. I wish I was studious enough to say which one of his evangelistic journeys and missions he was on. But he had been preaching, he had been setting up churches. He comes to a certain time, he'd been preaching, and this is the effect. Verse 23 of Acts chapter 19. And the same, and the same time, there was a, there arose no small stir about that way, and that way means the Christian lifestyle. See, in the early, in the first century church, Christianity was considered the way, and that's that's the way of Christ. And there, in in the same time, there arose no small stir about that way, for a certain man named Demetrius. A silversmith, which makes silver shrine for Diana, brought no small gain unto this craftsmanship. Otherwise, he made a lot of money making these idols. Whom, verse 25, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that this by craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but all throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, 
saying that there be no gods which are made with hands. But Paul's been going around preaching. He was an evangelist. He's been going around having revival. He's been having evangelistic meetings. This Paul has persuaded and turned away many people. Verse 27. So that not only this, our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great God of Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed whom all Asia and the world worship. Otherwise, let me put this in good old simple Arkansas language. Paul was going around convincing people that Jesus and God was the only true God. They didn't need these idols. So what this man was upset about, not only was his living being lost, so he turned it personal. He turned it, he, he put the heart strength like good preachers that want to get your money. Oh, this isn't about me. This is about our great God of Diana. She's going to be despised. And guess what? People weren't going to the temple. They didn't just go there to worship. They left offerings. They left this. So not only was their income being done away with, their religion, if you will, was being done away with. That's the mark of a successful revival. And this is what a successful revival looks like. People are going to be saved. People are going to be at different. The church is going to be stirred. We're going to be, we already have salvation. But raise your hand if you know you're doing everything that the Lord wants you to do. Be brave enough. If you are, they're not bragging. That's giving God the glory. Can any of us truly say that? I, I, I know I can. So yes, I need revival. True spiritual revival. And I'm seeking that revival for myself. I want the courage. And that, I do say courage because it takes effort. This thing we call Christianity isn't just Oh, I'm saved. Everything's perfect. I don't have to do anything. It's stuff that requires work. That's right. If we can't spend time in the Word, if we can't spend time with the Lord in prayer and meditating and thinking on the Word, how close are we to it? This isn't a... Isn't a, is a what I'm talking about now is not necessarily a matter of salvation. I'm not saying you're not going to be lost if you're not going to read your Bible every day. Are we going to pray? And I'm not, that has nothing to do with it. If you have for now. But how close and how hungry you are. Let me rephrase that. How hungry am I? How much do I truly love the Lord and want to see others find salvation if I don't have time to turn that TV off and get the word? TV done at my house from the time. Well, no, I can't say that. I don't know why. But it's done at my house close to time. The minute I get home, home, till I go to bed, that TV's on. Now I'm not always watching it, but it's on. So if I'm, if that TV's on and I'm trying to read the word, oh, John's a good study. He don't know. I'm gonna live up. You know what's going on? I can't. My mind's simple. If I'm anything distracting me, I want to go into another room. Do I make that effort? No. I'm. I gotta excuse myself, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I work all day. My wife misses me. I want to spend time with her. We're going to watch TV together. <coughs> so that's my excuse. As Sister Marie says, there's excuses and there's reasons. I just gave you a reason. That's not a decent excuse. That's my, that's my justification. And I would like to say I'm just teasing. And in essence, I am. But in reality, that's the truth. So do we need revival? Yes. And, and as I said, start out, I said I wanted to pose 
two questions. Why revival? That's pretty obvious. The world for sure is in a mess and getting worse. But there's a lot of problems in the church that need correcting. And the only way it can be corrected, the only way we can do what we read that Paul instructs him, the only way we can truly teach and preach the true gospel and what people need to hear is that we're spending time with the Lord and that we need to refill it. We need a, a, a for a lack of better words, that's it. We need to refill them. We need more in touch with the Lord so we know what the people need. If we're unhappy with what's being preached from the pulpit, and I can say this for sure from this church camp, and I know through all of them, pray. If you don't like what Brother John Washington is preaching, pray. The Lord will convict him of it. He'll give him something else. If you don't like what that man preached, pray. The Lord will convict him of it. He'll give him something else. Because I know the Lord is not here and wants share from this pulpit. That may not be the case everywhere, but even here, and I, and I don't mean anything personal or insulting. don't mean to be negative. But you can't say that we don't need to do something different. Yes, we could adopt all. I'm going to be honest with you. One of my prayers, I'm praying for these two gentlemen. Every morning, every night, it's my exact word. Say, Lord, speak to Brother Leon and Brother John and give them a clear vision for this church. They could, and, and, and they could go out fine. But there's all kinds of we could get together and say, listen, something's not working. Leon. We've got to do this. We could get together as a, as a congregation and make a plan on what we can do. It might work. But if we would get together as a congregation and pray right. and seek the Lord and experience true revival of the Lord, guess what would happen? Amen. The Lord would show up and he would direct the people that need to know. And they would tell us what to do. Amen. So yes, we need revival. That's the easy one question. Now, that's just my opinion. From what I read from Acts, that is the true mark. The second part is a little bit harder to answer. There's no clear answer to me. What does the successful revival look like? But the whole purpose of revival is bringing the lost to Christ. Furthering the gospel. And as I said, I'm going to be honest. And, and I'm not, I've not been in a lot of churches. I've been faithful to the Lord since 1999. And I've only been a member of three churches. I think it's a really good revival. But I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've ever seen any lasting revival. Like what we just read about here. So do we need revival? Yes. What revival looks like to you, that's up to you. Do you need revival? Only you and the Lord know. And guess what? As I love to say, the Lord's a gentleman. Yes, the Holy Spirit is indwelling. The moment you, we get saved, the moment we truly accept Christ, that spirit comes to live in us. And everything we need is at our... All we got is reach out. Thanks. And then when you receive the back of the Holy you even got an extra. But in regard to revival, I believe this serves being said. The back of the Holy Spirit, if you study out the scripture, now these are not my words. I'm going to drop a name here. Lauren Lawson, I've always wondered... He said the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for service. If you look at every instance in the Bible, there's five. It talks about that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, all five of them is for service, for the spreading of the gospel. So maybe that's the reason we're not spreading the gospel like we should. I, don't mean, I can't say to y'all. That's why I'm not spreading the gospel. 
Maybe I do need a fresh fill. Maybe I need more of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I know he lives in me, directs me. He guides me in what I pray for. But maybe I need a new filling of the, of the Holy Spirit to help me be more effective. Maybe y'all, I hope y'all got it all together. Do we need revival? Yes. And, and I'm going to say with assurance, if we truly have a spirit-led, God-induced revival, we'll see more people here. Yes, that's right. Come on. We'll see more people here. If we enter into revival the, for the right reason, and if we pray for it and do what we'll see not only more people here, yes, we may see other people in other churches. I've always heard this man say, if they don't want to come here, go somewhere else. But if we, as a congregation of this church, truly pray and welcome in a true move of God, we'll see more people in this church. Amen. With that, does anybody need prayer? Nobody, I say something. Y'all, I stepped out for a phone call. My son don't use a call. So I thought, well, my call, you know, I can get out of